Welcome to Coffee and Contemplation, a Stranger Things podcast. I'm Robin. I'm Heidi. I'm Jenna. I'm Steve. And this is our second Hopes, Fears, and Expectations episode. We did this once before when we were awaiting season four, and now we are in a very long waiting period for season five. So with that in mind, and picking up from where we left off in our preceding episode regarding our lingering questions, let's get into some of our hopes, fears, and expectations for the fifth and final season of Stranger Things. Hopes and expectations. Mm-hmm. I, hopefully this isn't spoiler territory for anybody. We recently watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That movie ends so well. Oh, I really liked it. It's a happy ending, and it, I'm like, these guys deserve it. <laughs> Every character in Guardians is so, like, man, they've been through it. And um, I just, I want that for my Stranger Things cast as well. I'm invested in these characters, like I said, and I would just love to see them actually having a good time at the end of season five. Whoever's left, you know. It's, I can get behind a couple of characters dying for catharsis, for whatever, you know, okay. But then I want to see them having a good time at the end. Mm-hmm. My kind of, like, quirk as a person who's, like, enjoying media is that I don't like character death. So I definitely hope that there won't be any more. I don't know that I can call that an expectation, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not necessarily realistic no matter what property it is, and especially with something like Stranger Things. Right there with you. But, but that is my hope. And my expectation is that it'll be a wild ride. There's going to be some great stuff. I think we can definitely expect more of that, like, character development that we have grown to love. But I think, like, you know, at the end of season three... You said to me, so Heidi, what are your hopes? Or do you have hopes, fears, expectations? And I just went, no. And, <laughs> and fair. You know, and my my like logic for that was season three was so different than what I was expecting or fearing or hoping. And yet it ended up being really compelling. And here I am looking forward to season four. And so I'm, I'm trying to like, in, in a real way, I am kind of trying to keep that energy of no, I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen. And I'm just going to let them tell me. Mm-hmm. I'll say that another hope is I want Kali to come back. The only thing, though, that kind of ties into a fear there is that my fear would be that the finale and maybe even a large chunk of season five, even though that they're like, it's going to be focused in Hawkins, we're going to narrow the scope. I'm like, but that doesn't necessarily get into the question of, you know, the mind fights. Does that mean that a lot of season five is going to be in that mindscape weird Mm. space? And I especially if Kali's there. And so... You know, that's my fear. My fear is that it's not necessarily going to be a lot of stuff in the upside down. It's going to be it's going to be mind fights. And I would hope that that's not the case. You know, not only are they going to keep it grounded in Hawkins, but they've said it's going to be a lot of echoing of the first season. So my hope would be that if there's going to be fighting going on, even if it's a lot of telekinesis, that it will be in the real world. It won't be in someone's mind Mm -hmm. because, again, we didn't see Kali go into people's minds. It was all she created she externalized the hallucinations Mm -hmm. and i think that could actually be really interesting when you when you have her clash with vecna that could be really interesting so that's a hope slash fear i guess (laughs) but yeah and i'm gonna i'm gonna echo heidi very very like loudly on that i'm very much a i don't want anyone to die the film production team that i'm a part of star wipe films i have a very very small part in their film apocalypse rock that was one of the earliest connections i made with them 
we ended up going to quite a few film festivals. And one of the things that we did when we went to the Westchester Film Festival in Pennsylvania was someone made like a bingo board of here are all the things you can expect to see at this festival. All these like in- indie film tropes, like cut to black gunshot, stuff like that. Like bingo. all of this, all of this super dark stuff. And one of the things that happened at every con- every festival we went to was that Apocalypse Rock, which also has a very positive ending, despite the fact that it's literally the premise of it is the last man alive holding up in a rock and roll radio station, blasting out a rock and roll radio show every day and hope that someone out there might hear him. That sounds like a very fun take on a very dark situation. It's exactly what it is, but it actually has a very uplifting ending. And everyone told us how surprising that ending was and how much they enjoyed it. I mean, in the one of the behind scenes featurettes that I worked on for it for the for the Blu-ray and DVD release was that Brian said, Brian uh, Pennington, the director, he said the energy they wanted to bring to these festivals was like, hey, you're like leaving school early to go like, you know, let's crack open a beer. Let's start having some fun. And how much of an anomaly that is in the independent in the indie films like sphere at least it was it was at the time that we were doing this with this was pre-pandemic i don't know if that's still what it's like but those those tropes still seem to exist and so the reason i say all of that is because my feeling on in big budget big studio stuff like stranger things is that while there's a lot of call to like no killing off your characters is more it's more unexpected it's more bold it's more edgy i'm like but is it because right now that is super prevalent everywhere like even jenna you saying that about guardians it's like that is not the norm like i would i would argue it's not Mm -hmm. the norm right now so the idea of like saying all of that to me the bolder more ambitious decision would be not to kill anybody let them have their happy ending because just because they don't die doesn't mean they haven't been through some shit again with the fact that season one is still considered the best the only person who dies in that season is Barb. Mm-hmm. Will mm-hmm. survives. And just because they survive, it's like Hopper still has to come through. He has to overcome his his own trauma from Sarah. And that's so there's still catharsis without death. And so that's kind of my like little soapbox about why <laughs> I don't want anyone to die. As far as like expectations, I really don't know what they're gonna do about Eddie. 50-50, I think it's very plausible they might bring him back. I don't think that was their initial plan, though. I, I think if they bring him back, they change their minds after the impact that Eddie Eddie Munson had on the fandom. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's entirely plausible that they won't, uh, because that was not, I don't think that was their intention. If they come out and say like, like that that was always their plan, I'm going to call bullshit on that. I just <laughs> don't, I don't buy it. I, and I'm not necessarily opposed to them bringing Eddie back if done the right way. I just... Actually, again, to echo something, Heidi, you said about Will's arc in our reactions episodes, like I don't think they have time to thread that needle as delicately as I think that that would warrant. Mm-hmm. And my fear is that if they do make that decision, it won't be it'll be handled a little it'll be a little cumbersome. I'll yeah. say that. And because, you know, again, kind of to your point, Steve, like they there's so many characters like already I'm worried they won't give enough time to seeing Dustin's grief. And that's something that I, I want to, I want to see Dustin wrestling with grief the way that at least similarly to how we saw Max dealing with Billy's death, because I think that's important, you know, or I mean, some of that season two energy from them all dealing with the aftermath of what happened to Will, you know, 
See, so. that's and that's where I'm interested in the idea of the no characters dying mm-hmm. because I do love living with the ramifications of very traumatic events. I think that's interesting, and to not lose characters that have experienced those events together makes it all the more interesting. And that's where I lean into like Stephen King it. These kids go through a very scary, supernatural, totally traumatic experience. And then it's years later and they've all become totally different people. Uh, Experiences have shaped and defined them, but their inner child is still very there. And especially in the wake of, you know, the fear and the trauma that was Pennywise. And I feel like Vecna has the potential to kind of be that Pennywise where I feel like all of these kids of Hawkins are kind of similar in a way to me. Like they're the kids of Derry. And that's again, where I'm just drawing popular horror to where, how much it's had an influence on this show too. I would not be surprised if in this final season we get the most like Stephen King vibes. What's interesting to me about that comparison is that Vecna is He's a person. Oh, yeah. He's Henry Creel. He started as a, he's, he's a supernatural human. He's not an alien. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be interesting if they go that route, if maybe that's kind of his undoing, yeah. if it's very much like you're just a person. Cause I do have this thought and maybe it's something it's, I don't know if this is a hope or if it's an expectation, but I get the sense that this show could end in a very, the characters who survived or the older characters coming together over something. And maybe it's the loss of somebody or it's a tribute, or maybe it's even a time capsule of this time in their lives. I don't know, but I can, I can see these characters having to deal with the trauma of these events. And that still being something that we are kind of swan songed out on the end of this show with is maybe not everybody died, but all these characters are going to be living with this for the rest of their lives. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. My fear would be that if they kill characters off, it's going to be towards the end and we're going to get the same lack of follow through with that, that we got this season Yeah, and there won't be a season six. And even if they like put it in a comic or put it in a graphic novel or put it in a a companion novel, like that's no, it needs to be in this show. Mm -hmm. I, I believe so. Definitely a fear would be what they do with Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. next and how that whole thing plays out I'm very scared that it's just not going to work whatever they do is not going to work I cannot think of a way to make this situation uh, you know palatable in any way for for viewers even keeping even in keeping with a more horror theme mm-hmm. it's just gross I don't know how they get out of Max's storyline without being ableist in some way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like, don't. I, yeah. How do? Uh, yeah. So some, know. however that goes, it's definitely a big fear of mine. Uh, I can't wait to just kind of know what they do with it though, and just kind of have that resolved, <laughs> whatever they choose to do. Kind of a shot in the dark, but it's kind of the returning character conversation. And you know what? I'll call it a shot in the Clark. Hey, <laughs> 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 Just really want to have boo. boo. Um, <laughs> I would really love it if Scott Clark would come back into the show. And Mm -hmm. I think this final season would be a really important moment for Mr. Clark to show back up, both in these kids' lives as they're kind of feeling lost in the grief of their loss of Eddie, but also what has happened to the town. And I feel like we could really afford a big dive back to our cool, you know, Uncle Scott about the science of what's going on. 
Heidi and I have been joking about it all the way back since season one that we want Scott Clark to be their cue come in and be like oh yeah i've known all along or whatever i don't know yeah just so long as he doesn't turn out to like my fear with bob in season two was that he was going to turn out to have been like working for the lab the whole time i just i just don't want them to go that route like let's keep scott clark a hero like he's the hero we all need but don't deserve i think he's yeah he's i just think he's (laughs) he's pure and i think he's another outlet that's like not hopper and not some of the other characters that the kids love adore and I just think it's his time and i think that right now would be a really great moment to see how his character maybe rises up in hawkins against some of this right now mm-hmm. jenna you had the theory like back in our 2022 episodes uh, reactions which was that the whole time travel thing you, you know you were pondering are they going to do the whole we erase everything we go back in time and make it so none of this ever happened none of this ever happened like i, I want to believe that that's not like feasible but i don't know for some reason it I'm, i haven't like i can't totally discredit that as an i as like that might take place they might do that because yeah. they didn't address the time travel thing yeah see what's know. funny is uh i had been theorizing that because linda hamilton is going to be involved right. in this next season yeah. which i have been speculating who is she going to play her being sarah connor prominently in terminator terminator time travel is very important to the story of terminator and it's made me wonder as an 80s movie phenomenon as well could time travel be part of where we go in this and linda hamilton is is someone who i would think could be an interesting character for that in particular but she's just been a character in general i've been wondering okay so we know that a prominent 80s star is going to be in this who do we think they're going to be yeah i don't know know? but i want to see her share screen time with Winona Ryder, I can tell you that right now. Yes, 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 a dream. Yes, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't spent too much time thinking about that, but you make an excellent point. Yeah, the Terminator franchise time travel is huge in that. I'm so dubious about time travel because it gets so messy so Mm. quickly. Oh yeah. And I don't know. I have mixed feelings about the complete time rewrite I think it would be interesting if the if the characters who you would not necessarily expect to time travel are the ones who end up doing that. Like if it's like, you know, the scoops troop, mm-hmm. you know, like as an example, you know, Steve, Dustin, Robin and Erica, like that would be such an interesting subversion of expectations. I hate to use that expression, but but basically it, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to time travel. I just I'm very dubious about it because yeah. Same. Yeah, it's not. It's a really fine line to walk. Yeah, depending on how it's executed. Like if we had, and this is not like an official theory that I that I have or that I think they're gonna do, but if they do some version of time travel, and then like the very end of the series is going back to November sixth, nineteen eighty three, and we see like another version, you know, see basically see the kids playing D and D again, except all's right with the world. Vecna really is, you know, gone. The upside down really is gone. And then, you know, that like these kids and these adults are really just going to play out their lives in a like different way. Like I would be okay with it, but it would be so bittersweet. I don't know if I agree with that though. There's so much about all of that first season that like, it just, it goes back really, really far and would you know would steve and robin have even met would max have even moved to hawkins like it it's just there's so many things that like when you go down that road that's what i mean by it gets messy because it's like and then you have to especially with the roster of characters that you have it just ends up being like 
maybe those things, you know, still will happen. Mm-hmm. But trying to account for all of it, it just ooh. well, that's why they would they yeah. would they would end it right there and let you make your own decisions. But I hate I hate that. It would be I such a. Yeah, I don't it like be, it. I don't like it. Would it would be such a morning of a timeline of these characters where they all grew mm-hmm. in that what way. I'm, yeah. What I'm imagining right now is a handful of characters looking through a portal at November sixth, nineteen eighty three, and they're looking at them old, their old selves, and they're probably like really sad and happy about it, but they're also like, "Wow, I'm saving." myself from all of this how sad is that mm-hmm. i just yeah like I, I can't imagine can't imagine going back it might just come down to l making a decision mm-hmm. by herself mm-hmm. yeah to go back because she would be the one able to do so she mm-hmm. might have to make that decision all on her own to go back and be like what if we just never met and none of this ever happened to them or whatever you know whether or not that would actually be the right decision would be a subjective thing for the characters to decide. So um, she might just decide that that's the right thing to do. I don't know. What time of year do you think they'll set it in? Oh. My hope would be winter because, I mean, even though we got we got Hopper in Russia during winter, they haven't done Hawkins in winter apart from the tail end of season one. I so. was thinking that. My, my initial thought was I hope they put it back in fall. That's, but, you mm-hmm. know, maybe mm-hmm. winter would be good too. Maybe Christmas would be good. Yeah, or like right around the new year. Fall or winter would be my preferences. Mm -hmm. You know, I could see a similar season one formula where it's like in fall, but maybe by the time we're really wrapping up the end, it's maybe near Christmas. And that's definitely where I can see a handful of characters in a wistful moment with a song like like a carol or something like that. What's that one carol? I'm just thinking of the lyric that's like, through the years we all will be together. Oh, uh, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Yeah, Yeah. that that seems like a relevant song there too. And Christmas is also a time of missing Mm -hmm. and connection. And I feel like that could be... Family, which is a huge theme in Stranger Things. Oh yeah, I just Mm -hmm. feel like that could be a great way to bookend it as well. It'd be interesting if they do something with November 6th. Like if they if they start season five on November 6th or if that's the date that they end it. Mm-hmm. Like November 6th, 1990 or something like that. Mm. Well, I'm glad you just said that because isn't the Upside Down frozen in that? That does make me curious about how time travel or at least even that specific point in time could be very relevant in this next season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, to- I totally <laughs> forgot that actually until just now. Mm-hmm. That... The Upside Down is stuck in that. In 1983, which yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do also in terms of the how how much time has passed in, you know, I don't know how much of that is set in stone at this point from, you know, based on what they had written pre-strike, you know, yeah. at, at this time of recording, the strikes are still ongoing. You know, I, I will say that that's one area of that's fortunate about the fact that they didn't start filming mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. those strikes yeah. happened because then if they had they would have been in very similar circumstances to what happened in season four with all the covid breaks and you would have had like these very obvious time jumps so i'm glad like in terms of when they were when they were filming because the kids got older yeah. so i don't know how much of that you would have this time because they are all in their 20s now <laughs> but at the same time who's to say I think leaning into the hopes just one last time, I just think there's so much 
like emotional comeuppance with every single character that I almost hate that it's an expectation at this point. But when you have this wide of an ensemble and I'm coming into a final season, I mean, dare I say it, I don't want them to Game of Thrones it on this one and just totally underhand it, you know, this whole yeah. season. I mean, be like, dang, mm-hmm. woof. Yeah. Uh, but I do have high expectations now. Like there are so many characters still on the field. There's so many people that intimately care about one another and I really hope to get not even resolution there, but just really lean into some of those moments. Like as much as I can care about the love triangle, that's Jonathan, Nancy and Steve I'm really just more enamored with the idea that they all care about each other. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And I, and so I hope that no matter what any of those end result things are that I know is really great fan service and the biggest beats we review anything about, I just hope we really get to live and how much this whole unit cares about one another. And that to me will probably be the biggest expectation I have because this last season felt very split the party. Yeah. This better feel very honed in on the party is kind of my biggest. Yeah. I think expectation. How do you guys think that'll relate to will coming out Mm. and our expectations for that? Maybe what do we think they might go for? We talked about it in chapter in our chapter nine part two, but the the variety article that just came, that just was released recently. I don't know if oh the one about Noah Schnapp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that they said at the end of the episode, which is what I talked about, or at the end of the article that I talked about in chapter nine, was how they said that Will is going to be a big character in season five. Like they're okay. going to they're they're putting a lot of focus on 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 Will. That's great because Will Will kind of has a spidey sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's something that in the real world here, too, I think not only is he going to have a super ability that is like, I guess, in tune with helping the narrative, but I do see him being a very important part to how this closes. The article is called Noah Schnapp's Coming Out Journey of the Stranger Things star would still be closeted if not for Will Byers being gay. So the quote is. Will really take center stage in, again in five, says Ross Duffer. This emotional arc for him is what we feel is going to hopefully tie the whole series together. Will is used to being the young one, the introverted one, the one that's being protected. So part of his journey, it's not just sexuality. It's Will coming into his own as a young man, end quote. So Ooh. what I like about that, I mean, I've said it before. My big hope is that Will is going to have powers. <laughs> Yeah. My big hope is that Will is Will the Wise. Like that honestly would be and that he survives. If and like I really want Will to survive. Yeah. Oh yeah, 100. <laughs> yeah. Like one of the other things that they theorized over on the Ham Radio podcast is that he feels everything on the back of his neck, which is where the Cetera or Cetaria is, mm-hmm. where where it was in in Henry. I don't know if that's true, but I like I like that like direction of mm-hmm. of thought. So There's a connection there. I don't know that I would like it if Will had powers. Oh, really? I just feel like, to me, from his experiences in season one, he feels like a doomed character. Mm. But I do hope that's not the case now yeah. that we've gone to know him more over the other seasons. Because he was barely in season one. Yeah. But there, he, did, yeah. he did feel very doomed to me. Interesting. And okay. well, that would be such a twist if he had actual powers. To me, that would feel like it comes out of nowhere. So they would have to somehow build that up in a way that it just doesn't come out of the blue. That's completely. fair. I guess I will say, though, one of my, I guess, lingering questions, I hadn't thought about it in this way because I've thought about thought about it more from a like hopes for his expectations point of view. But what what is Will's deal? I still maintain that Will has been a target 
from the shadow, from Vecna, from whomever. He has been after Will specifically. Before L became the target, it was, I still think it was Will. Even though, like, now technically you could make the argument that, you know, VH1 was always looking for L. I still think there's something about Will. So I guess if it's not powers, then I guess my hope or expectation would be that we find out what it is the shadow or Vecna, who, which whoever it is, whatever it was, that we find out why. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a theory about that apart from he's actually got, he is will the wise, he has powers, but don't know. As far as my thoughts went on him having powers, it very was similar to a Spider-Man. I just thought similar to Peter's spidey sense. I think his scratching his uh, neck or that nape of his neck. I just feel like he sort of has a spidey sense for the danger that is VH1 or any of the creations or things that have even come out of the upside down. He seems to have an awareness that I'm going to call primeval awareness like a ranger. I just feel like he has that ability and knows when certain things are within 60 feet. See, that would be cool because they've kind of sort of alluded to that already. So maybe if they just developed that a little bit, that would be pretty cool. So it's like a a spidey sense I think I'm here for, but I don't know about full-blown power. I think that's where I want Lost Sister to come back. Well, like, that's fine. Like, that's as as far as, like, by powers, like, something like that, I'm down. Yeah. Like, that, that that would meet my hope. Some of the other kids, like, maybe she was the tip of the iceberg that I got some more of in season two, but there's also a whole bunch of other kids that have been through a whole bunch of abuse. And I'm wondering if for any reason, any of those other kids are out there. And if this convergence has done something that's almost like a calling or like a shining and they actually can all feel it. Mm. Like maybe they all feel it. Or the ones that have survived made it away. Any of those things. If there's anybody else that's not L not eight, I'm just wondering if there's even a possibility there's any more out there. Well, cause it would be cool if it's, if it's more like that's, that's an interesting take because the idea that it's like, they're not necessarily all from the lab. Cause I think they, they all, yeah. they all died. I think apart from eight, I think so too. But I was like, is there any possibility there's others out there that also just weren't mm-hmm. in the program? Well, cause Henry came from nowhere, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like just the force happened to be strong with this one. So, okay. You know, like maybe, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Just food for thought on the power train about yeah. like what characters would have powers that could maybe be. <laughs> and I'm not saying this is going to be like, you know, Stranger Things end game where all of a sudden a portal <laughs> opens and all of the kids right, step yeah, out yeah. and we all fight Thanos. I mean, VH1. Yeah. Um, oh, no. We're going to have to cut back to that clip when it happens. <laughs> yeah. I know. Oops. I know. Oh, no. Yeah, I'll curse yeah. by saying it out loud. Um, but I think that's where I'm at with that still. Because I, and I maybe. Maybe that genesis of things that happened on November 6th, 1983, I just think it's all going to come down to L in the end. I think somewhere, it might have been on Ham Radio, it might have been on one of the other Stranger Things podcasts, but I saw somewhere someone was saying it would be really interesting if season five opens in 1983 but it's in a completely different part of hawkins or even in a different part of the world like it's just it's the same time frame but we're we're seeing like a concurrent storyline that has been going on that ends up kind of like what they did actually at the beginning of season three but not quite that over the top like with the with russia because that took place prior to when season three starts proper so in 85 which i'm not saying like Oh, I really want that. I'm just like, that would, that would be interesting if they sell it right. That could be, that could be cool. 
a development in L's powers that I'm also still like, was this the tip of the iceberg or is there more? And also, I don't know, like this is really the only solution that I've come up with as it's related to Max as well has been, is Eleven only touching the tip of an iceberg that she's been learning so much of her power to use it a certain way? Did she save Max? Yeah. Because if she did, and if I'm believing that, and that was just the tip of the iceberg, is she the only reason or way that she can come back? Mm. Well, and she saved She saved her body. Yeah. She didn't save her mind. And I'm wondering if, like, maybe she can. And maybe that was just the tip of the iceberg. Because I don't think Elle really knew what she did until she came back and was like, oh, wait, what? Yeah. I think that's why you need Kali, though, because Elle can go into the void and she can go into people's minds, but she doesn't necessarily have any, like, I mean, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, like, especially, like, D&D &D rules applying oh, here. maybe. But, like, her, her psychic abilities don't really have any, like, she can't, like, control, like, what you're seeing or what's happening. She only has kind of a literal, like, one-to-one -one kind of power. I don't know if I'm explaining that well. But Kali does. She mm -hmm. can get in your head and twist things around. She can create things in your mind. Elle can't do that. Yeah. So, like, she can travel through through Mindscape, but she can't really, like, control or create anything. So I'm interested in seeing where that maybe goes, and that's why, like, if they then team up, that could be really cool. Because mm -hmm. while things have been so inconsistent on this power scale of, like, who is more powerful or where yeah. do these powers come from and how, how do I flex that power muscle to be stronger than it just makes me wonder if, I don't know if all of the things that happened this season led to L having an ability that we don't really fully understand. I'm here for L having more interesting powers. Like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm here for it. Cause I, I mean, cause I wonder if she's a healer. Yeah. I mean, something that we see, um, you know, Star Wars is an enormous influence on Stranger Things and something that we see in like each subsequent Star Wars movie and even like, you know, getting into some of like the more adjacent properties is the force definitely has certain rules, but every time you meet a new force sensitive, they have some new aspect of force sensibility and power within the force like there's some basic stuff like all the jedi can use lightsabers and most of them have some form of telekinesis and so on but then you know even in one of my like favorite star wars adjacent properties the um fallen order video game you have um cal the main character who can touch an object and like feel its history which is something like even in the game they're like oh that's a rare ability because we've never seen it before so you know having l develop like we know that her telekinesis is like off the charts and now we know that yeah she can enter into someone's consciousness and not just the void, but literally enter into someone's consciousness and, like, interact with them. I don't think it would be too hard of a sell, you know, to introduce some new aspect of a power. Especially if she's, like, working with Kali and the two of them are, like, tag-teaming to try to figure out how to do something. And then they stumble on a new power. Or if she's, like, you know, doing, like, the Rocky montage and training <laughs> for her next, like, you know, mind fight and with Vecna. And she's like, oh, wait, I can do this. Or maybe she, like, steals one of Vecna's abilities and, you know, does an Uno reverse on him. Like I, Rogue. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I've been wondering if, like, maybe... This is a real deep stretch, and I don't know if it's even something I totally love, but 
is and maybe has that always been her power? And is that the power that's actually been dormant this whole time that hasn't really been awoken? Because maybe if all this destruction and telekinesis that we see from VH1, maybe that's just always who he was and what his power was and what that manifested into. And maybe she always was more powerful for reasons that we couldn't quite understand. Well, thematically, I actually really like that a lot because some one of the sort of sort of threads we discovered through the season of this podcast was this question of however clumsily they they might have gotten there, this shift of L her power and mode versus her motivation, you know, the empathy versus anger, mm-hmm. and how the empathy fuels her motivation, which fuels her anger, which fuels her power her remembering her birth and her mother saying, I love you, how that there's this shift from anger being the motivator to love. But like if you even saying the words, maybe she's a healer, that could be fascinating. Because there's also a D&D property here that I wonder in some previous editions of the game too, but like any character that is undead, if you heal an undead, that is actually doing damage to them. Right. And I wonder if she's a healer and the real danger that she might actually be to someone like Vecna is that she could actually heal him whole. Mm-hmm. And then he really w- and then he really would be dead or gone for good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I dig that. Right? Like yeah. and, and then isn't that on a whole nother level, like us talking about the trauma that's been this show, yeah. the healing from that trauma? And maybe in the end it's her saying, like, Henry, I've never had it's not my job to save you. And like you needed to do all of this for yourself all along. It's just a shame that this is how it was done. Well, not to mention so much of Elle's upbringing was formed around Brenner as well. Like Mm -hmm. Brenner's influence and how like he's always been like, you know, building her towards this aggressive, like, no, your weapons, your property, your things. And then her becoming more of a human and tapping into, no, your empathy is actually your power. That could be really cool. I that I would love that. Well, then it's like, and it's like all the love that she's been shown by Hopper, her friends. It's like all of that would have led to this big discovery. Where she doesn't have to kill herself along with you know Vecna to die. And this is that crazy be because I had just been wondering for a little nugget of a moment like is she possibly a healer because that was the only way I could find my own resolution with Max in particular. Yeah. And then that dove even further into like well all right I guess if she's even maybe that much more of a healer like maybe that's what she's always been and that's what's dormant I don't know. And since you're pulling from the the D aspect of that like i i find that plausible even more just because of how much the duffers are into D. like yeah. i think that could yeah. be, be cool kind of connecting with like healing and an undead again to make another star wars reference in the force awakens when ray and kylo have their final fight on star killer toward the very end of the film and kylo is trying to tap into the dark side of the force and he starts like beating at his own wounds to inflict pain on himself that like that physical pain helps him tap into the dark side of the force. I am sure that Vecna has got something very similar going on with all of his like bats, monsters, like squelchy vines thing that, you know, that he gets into and L being able to use for want of a better term, the, the light side of the force, even when she is, being violent or destructive is really fascinating 
if you look, if you kind of like take like the wider view and think like how she will grow and use her powers, not just for protection and, and violence, but also for healing. And we've already seen, you know, that to a certain extent now, because even if she wasn't able to save Max's mind, she did already revive Max's body. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's super awesome. To circle back to your question about what do we think is going to happen with Will's coming out, I'm a little scared. I don't know that I'm necessarily scared about like how the show is going to handle it as a whole. You know, I went on a little bit of a journey on Will's conversation with Jonathan, but where I landed with it was that I actually really love it. And especially like the way it's performed and the way it's written and they kind of talk around it, which is just feels very authentic and realistic to me. But where Mike is now as a character, I don't trust him with that conversation. I feel like I trust the show and I worry less about what's going to happen to Will as a character versus like the very specific question of how is his coming out going to be handled i worry for him you know he's he's already had such a difficult time come out to dustin yeah i've said it before i will say it forever that is a hill i will die on that's what i was about to say i was kind of hoping that while i do hope there is a conversation with mike because i i i want to challenge them to do it and i feel like if they don't do it then I'm going to be like, you were afraid and mm-hmm. I'm mad at you for I, not doing I that. I already feel that way about them for a lot of things that they do. Yeah. But yeah. yeah so, yeah. yeah. And so that's where I feel like I'm going to probably lean into that even more so if they don't do that. But I was mm-hmm. hopeful that he would do so with somebody else. And I was thinking Dustin would be perfect. Maybe Dustin and Lucas. Yeah. Yes. Honestly, honestly, if it was both of them, I would, my heart would melt. Yes. Like I, I really <laughs> would love that because I feel like for some odd reason, I think the two of them, like the way you know your friends and you just know them. And sometimes even when a friend says something like, hey, I've got something to tell you. You know. You usually know. And I feel I feel like those are the characters that are actually going to probably put their hands on his shoulder and say, we know and like we love you. Yeah. That's what I want. But also, do I actually think any of that could possibly happen with Mike and in his current state talking about where we've last left him and all of that? I'm not so sure. Yeah. And that's where I feel like it could be dangerous. Here's the question I would really ask. And it's mostly because I had a conversation about this with somebody because they were like, well, I don't think Will's gay at all because he didn't say it. And I was like, "Mm." I was like, that's a tough conversation, man. I was like, first of all, I was like, do you want me to talk to you about the eighties? Yeah. I was like, also, um, does everybody's journey of identity have to have a label? I was like, because that might be something you just projected. I don't know, man. I was like, because I think I'm comfortable with that and I don't have to have an answer. But then he asked me, well, if we get into the final season and he doesn't come out and we don't get it at all, he was like, well, then how are you going to feel then? And I was like, well, I was like, I'll probably feel like the Duffer brothers were weak for not, rising up Mm -hmm. and tackling something that also was very real and that would be a bummer i would just be Mm -hmm. really bummed out if they don't do it at all yeah yeah very much you know something i used to say was how well robin never says it either but she does still very clearly communicate that Mm -hmm. to steve so my feeling on that was like well what story are they telling around those Mm -hmm. words 
But given the fact that, yeah, that Will is going to be a f- central figure of season five, I would be surprised if they don't, they don't do something. I just, so it's a question of how, it's not the what, I've said this all through season four, it's not the what, it's the how. It's, mm-hmm. it's how do they execute it. Yeah. And it's just like, Dustin's, Dustin's your guy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the reasons why, like, well, I know I've heard a lot of conversation among, among the fandom of like, if it's going to be reflective of season one, then does that mean we're getting the core four of mm-hmm. Dustin, Lucas, Mike, and... L. And I'm like, maybe, but that doesn't account for a lot of the characters that weren't there in season one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that doesn't yeah. account for Erica. It doesn't account for Will, frankly, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm just yes. curious as to, yeah, I mean. Yeah. What if it's a walk through Mirkwood and all of a sudden Will's like, hey, Dustin, Lucas. Except Hawkins is on fire. <laughs> yeah, also yeah. True. So, yeah, yeah, can, yeah, yeah. Curious, what other horror movie influences in particular could be out there? Because every season has had pretty strong like horror uh, contributions to it. As the strikes get resolved, hopefully in the best, for the best good of, of actors and writers. And, you know, that's the ultimate goal, but you're here, you know, Mm -hmm. one thing, one thing I had thought about doing was doing maybe another episode about like, what would it be like if we never got a season five? What would it be? What, how would this feel if this was all we got? I don't think it's going to be that, but just what, as like a thought experiment. So I don't know. We may return that to that question for another, for a future episode. Um, we'll, we'll have to see listeners. You'll have to chime in and, and let me know if that's an episode you'd be interested in, in hearing. Well, this has been fun. And I'll just say really quickly without any transition that a group format was really fun. And, it was. You know, and while I enjoyed the two episodes that we got to record together, Robin, this is this was really fun. Yeah. I really, really liked this a lot. And I just want to stress I would, that. I would do this again a Same. lot if I didn't live four hours away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I, I didn't even realize until we were recording that like it's season four and there's four of us in the wrap up. That was at, I promise that was an accident. <laughs> Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coincidence. We're going to need a fifth person for this season five. I was thinking it. I was thinking it. And we've got a guest. (laughs) Sean Astin. (laughs) Yeah. Well, then I think that's going to conclude our contemplation on season four. Um, So, yeah, thank you all. For, for joining me on this, not just this episode, but just this project over the course of four seasons. This whole endeavor has brought me a lot of joy, and I hope it has for the three of you as well. At least at least some some happiness. Can confirm. Thanks, Robin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that's not it for the podcast. We are officially returning to the Starcourt Cinema series. And as, as a refresher, uh, that is a series in which we review the films and or properties that are referenced in Stranger Things. You know, I had a blast doing the first episode of that series with you, Jenna, when we re- reviewed E.T. And I'm looking forward to diving back into that with uh, returning co-hosts as well as a few new ones. Uh, including hopefully uh, Brian, who I've referenced off and on through through this through this whole thing so so watch our socials for the details on when those episodes will start dropping but until then as always thank you for listening and for being a part of this four season journey as well those previously mentioned socials include tiktok and instagram links for which are in the show notes along with some links and if you're a fan of our pod consider rating and reviewing us coffee and contemplation is available wherever you get your podcasts thanks again for listening and until next time we're out play
a game with a lot of TV shows and movies I watch where because I like Spider-Man and I emulate the character visiting kids in hospitals and so on and so forth, I just like to ask from a story that you're watching, uh, what character do you think is most likely to become Spider-Man? I would say in Stranger Things it is Steve Harrington, but in this context I begin to wonder if it could be Elle. Yeah. He's got the potential, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's an amusing game mostly for me while I'm watching anything. And imagine when you're watching something like Barbie and you're like, I wonder who will become Spider-Man in this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alan. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs>